Hey, this is Derek Wooten. I'm lead pastor of AP Church here in Cincinnati, Ohio, where our desire is to make disciples and make a difference. Thank you so much for joining us through our podcast. We pray this message speaks life and encouragement into you and what God is doing in your life. Hope you enjoy it. Be seated today. I'm excited to get into the Word and talk about what the Lord is speaking to us. And we're so, again, we're so glad that you've joined us today. Uh, it's our honor that you've worshiped with us in person, again, online. It's so good to be with you. Church, I'm excited to get into um, our word today, continue our series. We've been into this series, Into the World. Somebody say, Into the World. We've been into this series, Into the World, now for several, several weeks. And we've really jumped into the deep end of what God has done for us and what God is doing in us right now. And we've learned something through this series. How many of you guys know that if you're really going to ever do something for the Lord, you have to be developed for it? If you're ever going to fulfill the assignment, the destiny God has for your life, you have to be developed for it. So what's beautiful in this season, we have not just been discovering what God has done, but we've, we're being developed for what God desires to do in us and through us together. And so we've learned through this series, Into the World, that Jesus, somebody say Jesus. Anybody thankful for Jesus? That Jesus... Not only has Jesus saved you and me, we have right relationship. Not only has he saved us, but he has also sent us into the world. Jesus saved us, but he sent us. And listen, he didn't send us just to a couple places. He didn't send us to church and just our house and back and forth. He sent us into the world. Pastor, no, he didn't. Oh, yes, he did. I got Bible to show you. John 17 Verse 18, here's what the word says. This is Jesus praying to the Father. He said, he said, just Father, as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. Just as you sent me. How many of you guys know that Jesus didn't just die for good people, he died for all people? The Father sent him into this world so that the world through him might be saved. Well, Jesus shares something about our divine assignment, our purpose as believers in this text. He said, Father, just as you have sent me, I am sending them. He sent you. He has sent you. When you got saved, listen, you didn't just accept a Savior. You were accepting a divine assignment to go into the world with the love and the light of the kingdom of God. Listen, to make disciples and make a difference. That's the vision of this house because it's the vision that God has for us as believers to make disciples. Somebody shout make disciples. Now say make a difference. Listen, he's called us to be makers, to be disciple makers and difference makers. And so this series has taught us so we can understand that God has not only saved us, but he has sent us. And here's what's powerful. He has sent us into every influential place in our society. He has sent us into every place that shapes culture, that shapes nations. God doesn't just send some of us. He sends all of us. Look to your neighbor and say, he's talking to you. Come on, tell him. He's talking to you. And we have seen throughout this series as we have learned together that he has sent us into the kingdoms of this world. And we have found that the kingdoms of this world, they are pillars, they are mountains that shape the culture of every society and every nation. And there's seven mountains. There's seven pillars that we've been looking at. And they should be on the screen that you can see them. They're religion, family, education, business, media, and arts and entertainment. And we've talked about what it means or what's happening, how every one of those things shape nations. They shape culture. 
And we've talked about how, the, the, how God has sent us, all of us, into different mountains. He's called you into one of those seven places. Did you know that? He's called you into one of those seven places. And in fact, we see in Isaiah chapter 2, verse 2, a prophetic promise that God gives pertaining to this. He says that in the last days, how many of you guys believe we're in the last days? I do. Ooh, look around, I do. He says in the last days, he says, the kingdom of God will sit upon the kingdoms of this world. Hallelujah. The kingdom of God will sit upon the kingdoms of this world. And so we've been studying these mountains and we've been going deep. And uh, today I'm going to go a little different in a different direction because the Lord said do that. How many of you guys learned that when God says something, you better just say yes, sir. And if you're not from the south, we put sir on everything just like we put sugar and butter on everything. Come on. <laughs> and, so, and so when God started to speak to me this week, I said yes, sir. But we've been looking at these mountains and we've been understanding what God is doing and what God desires to do in us so we can go into these places and make disciples and make a difference. And last week we looked at the mountain of religion. Last week we were studying the mountain of religion and, and we, we started understanding about the mountain of religion. That it is a place that God has called us, and this should be the easy one, that this is a place that God has called the church to be influential. How many of you guys believe that we should be influential in the mountain of religion? We should be, in fact, listen to me, the New Testament church, the ecclesia, we should not just be influential, we should be leading in this mountain. Pastor, why would you say we should be leading? Because um, unless you can tell me different, and I don't think you can, we are the only movement in the earth whose God is not only real, but alive and also undefeated. Come on, somebody. We're the only movement. We're the only movement in the entire earth whose God is not only real, but he is alive and he is undefeated. He has never lost. So we should be leading in this mountain. And so as we were studying every mountain we've studied, we've been studying how that there is a demonic spirit. Uh, so let me, let me go ahead and say this. Pastor, do you believe in demonic oppression? Okay, let's back up for a minute. If you believe God is real, then you need to also accept that the enemy is real. Just like, just like if, if the other way around, people think that Satan is real. Well, who created Satan? Come on now. He didn't start that way, but that's how he's finished. But the reality is, is there is demonic oppression we fight in this world. Go read Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. We fight against powers, principalities, rulers, and hosts in this dark world. There's demonic oppression on every mountain. There is demonic influence on every mountain that is trying to stop the culture and the kingdom of God from being manifest. And we found that in the mountain of religion, the demonic force that is trying to rule and reign is literally called the spirit of religion. Some might say religion. Now, if you remember, I told you that, that, that we need to understand something about Jesus. When Jesus was sent to the earth, how many of you guys know he was sent into the mountain of religion? Because there were already different religions that were already conceiving and deceive, uh, uh, confusing and deceiving humanity. He was sent into the mountain of religion, but I told you something last week that some people have never heard. Jesus, when he arrived, he did not come to establish another religion. He came to establish a new reality called the kingdom of God. He came to establish a new reality called the kingdom of God. 
And we learned last week as we were studying about, about how Jesus was sent to establish this reality of the kingdom of God that he literally started telling us about this spirit of religion. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 6, if you've got your Bibles, you can go there with me quickly. Matthew chapter 16, verse 6, Jesus literally addressed this spirit talking to his people. He said, watch out. Look at your neighbor and say, watch out. That's what I shout to my kids every time they ride their bike. Watch out. Don't hit that parked car. Please. Watch out. Oh, did anybody ever hit a parked car on your bike? I hit mailboxes, parked cars. You named it. My dad was like, son, can you see? I was like, dad, I think so. <laughs> Maybe that's what's wrong with me today. I hit too many parked cars. Okay. Matthew chapter 16, verse 6 is what Jesus said. Let's get spiritual. Stop laughing. He said, watch out. Jesus warned them, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. He said, watch out. How many of you guys know when someone says watch out, they mean pay attention, be careful. Beware of the yeast or the leaven. Now the, the, that, that translation, says, tra translation says yeast, but other trans translations say leaven. Leaven in the Bible represents sin. He says, beware of the sin of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Who were they? They were the religious professionalists of Jesus' day. They were the ones that knew the Torah. They were the ones that were in the temple and the synagogue. And guess what? They were all religious. And you know who they hated? Jesus. Because we talked about what the spirit of religion does. And if you missed last week, listen, you can get on Spotify. You can get on our app or our website. You can get caught up. But we talked about how, how real and powerful the spirit of religion is in everyone's life if you're not paying attention. Even believers. But they hated Jesus because they could not control Jesus. And they hated Jesus because Jesus was there to literally take from them what they had, which was control and influence. And he started opening eyes to the kingdom of God. He started revealing to people that they could live in a different reality called the kingdom of God in the earth. And so he was telling them, he said, watch out for that sin that will infiltrate and influence you. Now here's what we have to understand today. The religious spirit is the counterfeit of the spirit of God. Now if you don't know anything about the spirit of religion, you're going to get a few things today. But last week's teaching will really help you. In fact, we even have a handout we'll get to you or email to you so you can read more about it. But listen to me today. The religious spirit is the counterfeit of the spirit of God, which is the Holy Spirit. How many of you guys know we need the Holy Spirit in our lives? Hallelujah. We need Holy Spirit. And what we find is the Bible is very clear about us needing the Holy Spirit. You can go read John 14, Acts 1, Acts 2, Ephesians 5, Galatians 5. The Bible is very clear. As New Testament believers, we are supposed to be filled with and led by Holy Spirit in every part of our lives. Filled with and led by Holy Spirit in every part of our lives. But somehow... The religious spirit has continued to infiltrate the mountain of religion. And here's the weird part. It has continued to infiltrate the Christian church. The spirit of religion. Jesus said, pay attention, watch out. It's continued for generations to infiltrate the church. And what's, what's, what's crazy is that that demonically powered spirit, here's what it does. It never displays the kingdom of God. It distorts the kingdom of God. 
that demonic spirit never displays the kingdom, it distorts it. And so we have to remember and see this. I'm going somewhere, so stay with your neighbor and say, stay with him, stay with him. And if I'm talking too fast, then um, just hit half speed and see if I'll go slower. <laughs> we have to remember something. Is that when Jesus came to this earth and went into that mountain, he started to preach something that had never been preached before. He started to teach something that had never been taught before. It was the gospel of the kingdom. Somebody say the kingdom. The kingdom of God. And it's powerful, and I wish I could go deeper into the kingdom today, and I get to talk a little bit about it. But he started to give this reality called the kingdom of God. And the Bible says that everywhere he went, he preached and he taught about the gospel of the kingdom. And the religious people, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they hated Jesus because they only had power that could control and intimidate. But Jesus had power to conquer and liberate. Hear me. All they had the power with that religious spirit to do was to control and intimidate but Jesus showed up with power that could conquer and liberate. And so we see that Jesus, being full of the Holy Spirit, he began revealing that being a part of the kingdom of God, here's where we go deep today. Today is simple, but I believe it's also deep at the same time. This is where Jesus began to reveal that the kingdom of God is not about control, it's about covenant. It's not about control, it's about this thing called covenant. Somebody shout covenant. Jesus began to reveal to people that the kingdom is not based on control. It is based on covenant. Relationship with God. Up until this point, everyone thought, well, I've got to do this. I've got to do that. I've got to say it this way and say it that way. I've got to dress this way. I've got to dress that way. They thought everything was based on control. But Jesus said, no, listen to me. If you want to be a part of the kingdom of my father, it's about this thing called covenant relationship. Somebody say covenant. Covenant relationship. It's not based on rules. It's based on relationship. It's not based on laws. It's based on love. Jesus came and he did those things. And this is why I am, I am so burdened and I'm bothered today as a kingdom leader right now in the earth is that when we come to church, when we come and gather, we typically only focus on whether or not we have a relationship with God. But we never talk about what kind of relationship with God we should actually have. Can I say that one more time? Is everybody with me? Listen to me. When we gather in these places, we always talk about we need a relationship with Jesus. You need a relationship with God. But very seldom and rarely do we now talk about what kind of relationship we're actually supposed to have. What kind of relationship we should be sharing with God the Father. Because the truth is this. Is that each of us, if we say we want to be a part of the kingdom of God, we must have a covenant relationship with God. Somebody say amen if you believe that. You're supposed to have a covenant relationship with 
God, a covenant relationship. And so, so we need to understand and talk about this because this is so paramount because this really does help us understand if we are truly going to live in the fullness of who God says we are and fulfill the assignment that he has placed on our lives, we have to say yes to covenant relationship with God. We have to say yes to a real covenant relationship with God. I said this last week, and this is important, because there is a major difference between what most people will hear and the truth, and it's this, is most people only ever hear about the gospel of salvation. Is anybody thankful that you can be saved through Jesus? Most people only hear about the gospel of salvation, but the Bible does not say that Jesus only talked about the gospel as it pertains to salvation, but he preached and taught on the gospel of the kingdom. The gospel of the kingdom. I told you last week what's a major difference is that the gospel of salvation is about redemption, but the gospel of the kingdom is transformation from the inside out. And so we see that so many people only hear about the gospel of salvation, but this is where we need to understand, if you really are serious, like this series about fulfilling purpose and walking in the divine assignment that God has for your life, then you need to understand salvation is not the end, it's only the beginning. Listen, the Bible even says that John 10, 9, Jesus said, I am the door. What was he the door to? He was the door to the kingdom of God. The only way you can get into the kingdom is through salvation through Jesus. If you're thankful for Jesus, say amen. amen. You, you, you only can get to and start being a part of the kingdom of God through Jesus. He is the only entryway. That's what lets me know that this mountain of religion, listen, people can say Buddha, they can say Muhammad, they can say whoever else, but listen to me. There's only one way to the Father and his name is Jesus. He's the only way. And so we need to understand something is, as, as we're talking about the kingdom of God and understanding covenant, if really, if salvation were the end, then Jesus in Matthew 6.33 would have said, hey, just receive the kingdom, don't seek the kingdom. He would have said, just, just receive it. Yes, you do receive king, the kingdom. You don't have to work for it. It's a gift. But he then said, seek the kingdom of God and its righteousness, and then everything else will be added unto your life. And so while Jesus, he continued to discuss and address salvation, being born again, he spent his time preaching and teaching about the gospel of the kingdom. Go to Matthew 4.23, you can see it. It says, Jesus went all about Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing all kinds of sickness, all kinds of disease among the people. Why? Because the gospel of the kingdom is more than salvation. It's transformation. The gospel of the kingdom is transformation. And here's where this ties together. Here's where this ties together. If you're walking in relationship with God, the religious spirit that's operating in this earth, the religious spirit that tries to operate in so many Christian churches, it does everything it can to stop the progress of the people of God. It's, it, the religious spirit tries to stop genuine moves of God in our lives. The religious spirit literally tries to stunt the growth of the people of God. 
And it's because of this, listen, it is because of this opposition, church, that so many people have said yes to salvation, but they do not live in and walk out the gospel of the kingdom. Are you ready? Because they don't really understand the nature of the relationship that we're supposed to share with the Father. They don't understand the relationship. See, this is where, this is not talked about a lot, and I hope that you are listening and you are taking notes. This one is chalked full of what I believe God is concerned with the people of God right now in the earth. Is that God is looking for people to be in covenant with. Did you know that God is a covenant God? The relationships that he offer, listen to me, they are covenant relationships. Okay, pastor, you've got my attention. What's a covenant? Thank you so much for asking. Here's what a covenant is. A covenant relationship is when you give up all of your rights and assume your responsibilities. A covenant relationship is when you give up all of your rights and you assume all of your responsibilities. See, a lot of people, when they talk about God, they forget that from the beginning, God has been a covenant God. Start in Genesis. God makes covenant with humanity. Go and fruit, go be fruitful and multiply in the earth. God makes covenant with Noah. God makes covenant with Moses and Abraham and the people of Israel. God makes covenant with David. And then the one that we know the most or should know the most is that God, through Jesus, made a new covenant with humanity. How many of you guys know that when Jesus came and died, it established a new covenant for you and me? What did it establish? It established that we can have a right and intimate relationship with God the Father right now. We don't have to wait till we get to heaven to know God. We can know God right now. Jesus came and established a new covenant. Have you ever thought about when we take communion together, Jesus literally said in Matthew 26, he said, this cup represents the new covenant in my blood. The new covenant in my blood. What was the new covenant? It was built on love. It was built on promises that God would be there, that God, we could have access to God, find freedom and hope and love and joy and peace in God. If you're thankful that we serve a covenant God, somebody say amen. So God has always been a God of covenant. God desires it. There's so many scriptures. You go to Hebrews 8, 6, Hebrews 9, 15. You can see how Jesus has become the mediator of that covenant. Why? Because we find that when Jesus died, he redeemed humanity. And you know what that was? Salvation. When he redeemed us, that gave us the opportunity to get saved and be set free from the eternal punishment of sin. But the truth is, is that's not where it stopped. That's where it started. That's where it started. And so now we come to this thing about saying, well, if God's a God of covenant, my question to you is do you understand that not only does God have covenant with you, but you're supposed to have covenant with God? It is a reciprocating relationship. He has covenant with you. And you have covenant with him. Now, now you, let's go back to that definition. Go back to the definition about covenant relationship. A covenant relationship is when you give up all of your rights and assume your responsibilities. Now, let me ask a question. Is that not what Jesus did when he came to the earth? 
Jesus, when he came here, he gave up all of his rights and assumed all responsibility to give his life that you might have life in him. So, so I, want, I want to talk about this as we talk about this today. Please understand something. God is not asking you to do something that he has not already done. He started it. And only because he loves you has he invited you into this thing called covenant relationship. He has invited you into covenant relationship. And so we understand God established this covenant through Jesus and he invites us today. And the truth is this, is that covenant relationship can only be found when you're a part of the kingdom of God. It can only be found when you are in the kingdom of God. But what's happened? Listen to me. How many of you guys know Satan's a good thief? He's the father of all lies. Satan is very good at what he does. What's happened is that in so much of the church today around the world, the very spirit that Jesus warned us about, that spirit of religion, it has come in like leaven comes into dough. I told you before, three pinches of leaven can make nine gallons of dough. Just three. You can see how much it can permeate and infiltrate when it's used. That same spirit that Jesus warned you and me about has still found its way into the church. And it has contaminated, listen to me, it has contaminated the relationship we should have with God. I know this is deep. Is everybody still with me? It is contaminated. It has found a way into the covenant relationship with God. And not only has it contaminated, hear me, it has corrupted the relationship that we should and could have with God the Father. See, there are many times in humanity, church, that understanding that the gospel of the kingdom and covenant relationship, they, they go hand in hand. And what's happened is this. Is that because Satan is a good thief, do you know what he's done over generations? He has offered counterfeit relationships with God that humanity gladly offers because they don't know the difference. He's offered relationship, he's offered relationship with God. And you know what it looks like? It doesn't look like covenant, it looks like it's a casual relationship. I'm going to explain these in a minute. I see three things that, that, that are counterfeits to covenant relationship with God. Casual relationships, contractual relationships, and ceremonial relationships. Three things that the enemy, that spirit of religion, it wants to replace covenant with these three things. And when I explain these and unpack these to you, you're going to see how so many people say they love Jesus, but they have no idea what kind of relationship with them they're supposed to have. Let's go to it. What is casual, a casual relationship? The definition of casual means not regular or permanent. Oh, pastor, there's no one in America that has a casual relationship with God. You know, what, you know what it means to have a casual relationship with God? Hey, God, this was fun, so uh, until next time, I'll see you then. 
Hey, God, thank you. It, start, it starts in middle school and high school. Lord, Lord if, Lord, if you'll just give me an A on this test, I promise I will lay at your feet and I will serve you and I will do everything that you want me to do. Casual relationship. You know, it's funny. Uh, here at this church, we don't, we don't have to wear nice clothes to be in right standing with God. I wear J's, and if you judge me for it, that's when you and Jesus, okay? <laughs> but even though, listen, even though we dress comfortably here, we're not casual to the things of the Lord. We may dress comfortably, but we are not casual to the things of the kingdom. Notice, not regular or permanent. So many people want a relationship with Jesus as long as it doesn't inconvenience their lifestyle. Listen to me, that's not a covenant. Because a covenant is when you forgo all of your rights and assume all of your responsibilities. And so many people that say they love Jesus Every day they live in a casual relationship. It's not consistent. By the way, I'll say it, I'll preach it forever. If you say you are committed to something, I'm going to look at your consistency. I bet the people online are shouting better than you guys are. I bet you are. I can hear you through the screen. Commitment is always seen in consistency. Please don't tell me that you tell your wife you're committed, but you're not consistent in your commitment. Because you don't have much of a relationship if that's the truth. So it's very easy for people to say, oh man, I love Jesus and, and I have a relationship with him. Honey, if you don't have a consistent relationship, what kind of relationship is it? Because if it's a casual relationship, it's not a covenant relationship because a covenant relationship is, it stays consistent. It's permanent. It's for real. It's not going away. Somebody say amen if you believe that. But let's go deeper. I don't even know. Oh, I got to hurry. Okay, how about this one? Contractual relationship. This is the one. Ooh, my goodness. Whew. I don't know how other nations are, but in America, this is the one. We say, okay, Lord, I'm willing to come into a relationship with you, but listen, here's what I want from you, but here's all I'm willing to give you. Because notice, contract and covenant. Covenant is you, you, you literally give away your rights and accept your responsibilities. Contractual means that you protect your rights and you limit your responsibilities. Okay, Lord, well, I'll accept salvation as long as you tell me that I don't have to do certain things. Honestly, this is the moment that when people treat God like, let's make a deal. You know what I'm talking about? Okay, God, here's what I'm willing to do for you if you'll do this for me. God, God, here's, here's what I'll do as long as you make sure you do this. Listen to me. That's not covenant relationship. God is not a God of contract. He's a God of covenant. And so... you. I love you so much. I am only saying this because the Lord said, Derek, you have to remind the people of God of who I am and what I desire for them. Hear me. If you think your relationship with God is you get to state the terms, I don't know what version of Jesus you were presented to, but it wasn't the one in the Bible. I will tell you, I tell people this, we talk about it. There is an Americanized version of Jesus that's sending a lot of people straight to hell. 
Because unfortunately, the, the, the American dream and the kingdom of God don't always coincide. But the reality is, is you need to understand, you cannot be in a contractual relationship. Jesus literally died for you. He gave up every right and took your responsibility. He took your sin, your shame, your eternal punishment, and he took it all so you could have life in him. You do not get to have a contractual relationship, and hear me, be a part of the kingdom of God. And then the last one, ceremonial. We see this one a lot too. Full of ritual and tradition that cannot be broken. Oh, okay, well, if, you, oh, if you're in a relationship, you have to sing this song and do this way, and you have to sit this way, and, and you have to dress this way, and you have to bow this way. Listen, he is not a ceremonial God. He is a covenant God. Yes, God has standards, God has principles that are not supposed to be broken, but please understand, God is not interested in ceremony, God is interested in your heart. And so the reality is this, is these three types of relationships, they are, they are literally contaminating a covenant relationship that God desires to have with us. Now if we're honest today, it's either us or people we know, they have a casual relationship with God. It's either us or people we know, they have a contractual relationship with God. Or they have a ceremonial relationship with God. But listen to me, Jesus did not die and get up to be in a casual relationship with you. He died and got up to be in a covenant relationship with you. Listen, God did not send his only son to die for this dark world so you could be in contractual relationship. Well, God, if you'll do this, then I'll do this. He didn't die so you could say, oh, well, we got to make sure we wear the right clothes and sing the right songs and, and we got to do everything the right way. We need the right parking space and the right seat. We got to make sure we do this. He didn't die for those things. He died for covenant. And here's where it even goes deeper, if you can stand it. Can you stand it? Yeah. You're not going to find covenant blessings in a casual relationship with Jesus. You're not going to find covenant promises in a contractual relationship with Jesus. You are not, you are not going to find the kingdom of God in a ceremonial relationship with Jesus. And this is, this is where it gets heavy because there are a lot of people that they said they love Jesus and they've accepted Jesus, but they're living in a casual relationship, a contractual relationship, or a ceremonial relationship. And you were like, well, God, you weren't there like you were supposed to be there. God, you didn't do what you said you were gonna do. God, you failed me. Listen to me. The Bible says in the book of Numbers, I think it's 23, 19, that God is not a man that he should lie. If God said it, he'll do it. If God said he would provide, he'll provide. If God said he'll protect, he'll protect. If God says he'll give peace and joy and he will do supernatural things in and through your life, God will do those things. But understand, those are for everyone who's in covenant with God. 
Those are for everybody who's in covenant. Now, now before you be like, well, pastor, you have hurt my feelings and stomped on my toes. Everyone has the opportunity to be in covenant relationship with God. Because of the sacrifice of Jesus, hallelujah, we all have the opportunity to be in covenant relationship with God. And guess what? It's your choice. He's done everything he's supposed to do. He came, he died, he got up, he has all authority, he has all power, he has invited you into his kingdom. All you have to do is say yes, but understand, when you say yes, you are not saying yes to a casual relationship, a contractual relationship, or a ceremonial relationship. You're saying yes to a covenant relationship. And what's a covenant relationship mean? It means when you let go of all your rights and you accept all of your responsibilities, you give them up. You say, Lord, go to, go to, go to the three things. I think covenant, go ahead and stand up. It's 1158, I know what time it is. You will get to O'Charlie's in time, I promise. Come on, stand up. Look to your neighbor and say, God loves you. Come on, tell him. Now look to your other neighbor and say, Pastor Derek does too. Come on, tell him. <laughs> Just in case you forgot. Well, it really worked me sitting, sitting on that stool today, didn't it? That was great. If you are serious about being in a covenant relationship with God, let me say it this way. If you really want the kingdom, you have to say yes to covenant. If you want to roll the dice and see if you can pray Romans 10, 9 and see what happens in your life, go ahead, hon. It's your choice. I've told you before, nobody is born a winner or a loser, but we are all born choosers. But if you want the kingdom of God, if you want everything, if you want to fulfill your purpose, if you want to walk in the identity of who you are in the earth, then hear me, you need to say yes to being in covenant with God. Because that's the only way you will experience the fullness of what he has for you is when you step into covenant. So, three things. If you say you want to be in covenant with God, you understand that it means this, you ready? You understand life in God, life with God, and life for God. Life in God, what does that mean? That means the Bible says, I've got so many scriptures, I don't have time to share them, but I've got them if you want them. Life in God, when you said yes to Jesus, the Bible says that you became a new creation. If you give your life to Jesus, guess what happens? The Bible says that your past is under the blood. Let me share this one, it's so powerful. Man, the word of God is so good. Listen, listen, here it is. First uh, Corinthians chapter six, verse 11. Some of you were once, were once like that. It was a description of people that don't know Jesus. It says, but you were cleansed. You were made holy. You were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. That means that you used to be dirty, but now you're clean. You used to be broken, but you got whole. You used to be down and out, but now you're up and you're on your way to everything God has for your life. 
And listen, the Bible even says, Galatians 2.20, when you say yes to Jesus, you die, and it's now Christ that lives in you. He lives in and through you. That's life in God. But then there's life with God. Oh, life with God. John 10.10, Jesus said, I came to give life and life more abundantly. And a life with God is overflowing with the goodness of God in every part of your life. Listen, life with God means that literally Romans 14, 17, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit is a part of the kingdom of God. There's two things I see that humanity searching for all the time. It's peace and joy. They're using everything and doing everything to find joy and trying everything to find peace. But it's only in the kingdom it's only in the kingdom. It's only in life with God. But can I tell you what's great? It's not just an abundant life. It is eternal life. Life with God is eternal life, and it doesn't start there. It started when you said yes to Jesus. That's life with God. Those two are great. But the third one's the challenging one. Because covenant relationship is not just life in God, and it's not just life with God. It's life for God. It's life for God. Please hear me today. There's nothing in this world that should make you want to sacrifice covenant relationship with God. Life for God, what does that mean? That means everything you do, it's for Him. 1 Corinthians 10, 31. Whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. Do it for the glory of God. I got one more scripture I'm gonna share, then we're gonna pray. It's this one. Colossians 3, verse 17. Whatever you do or say, do it as a representative. Somebody say ambassador. You're an ambassador for the kingdom. Do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him and honor to him. The Bible even says that as believers, our aim should be to please God, not please yourself, not please your bank account. Not your social life, not relationships, everything we should do. Can, can you have relationships? Of course you can. Can you have things? Yes, God is okay with you having things. He's not saying that you have to literally reject all of those things. He says they cannot be number one in your life though. It's life for God. This whole series is about your purpose. God has more for you than you ever thought possible. He has more for you than you could ever possibly imagine. It is that great for you. But you'll never see it if you don't get into covenant relationship with God. You'll never experience the fullness of the kingdom until you say, okay, God, you're not just in covenant. I'm in covenant with you. 
and I'll accept everything that you tell me to do, God, because you are good and there's no one else like you. Thank you.